welcome you tonight to the Lord's house. We're glad that you're here, and we want to begin our service, please, with number 124, and the words will be on the screen behind me as well. My song is love unknown. Let's stand, please, to worship the Lord. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer and commit our evening service now to Him. Our loving God and Father, we are very thankful, Lord, to be here in the house of prayer, in the place of praise on another Lord's Day evening. And we are thankful for the evening service, thankful, Lord, for the great privilege and blessing that we have been given and granted to come and join with others of like precious faith that we will lift our hearts and our prayers and our praise in thanksgiving 
Father, we ask at the very beginning of our service that we would be very much aware of the help of the Holy Spirit in our worship. Lord, help us by taking away every distracting thought. Help us, we pray, to focus our attention on our Lord and Savior, to be able to comprehend, to understand the Scripture. And Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit will write the truth upon our minds. Dear Lord, we give thanks for this great privilege, and we're thankful too for the blessings that we possess in our Lord Jesus, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of sins forgiven, the blessing of Christian fellowship, the blessing, Lord, of knowing that when we leave this earth in death, we will be absent from our bodies and present with our God in heaven forever and ever. And Lord, tonight we know that because Christ has died on Calvary and shed His own precious blood, that we have forgiveness. Atonement has been made. We today are justified. We have been forgiven. We have been adopted into the family Lord, of our God and King. And today we know that we have a home in glory. And dear Father, I pray that there would be specific blessing upon every single person gathered in our service tonight and everyone watching the meeting online. Do not let anyone miss out on the blessing that You have provided for this service through this Word. Dear Lord, we pray tonight that we would have joy in our hearts in the midst of a broken and crumbling world with so many things, it seems, Lord, becoming unraveled. We pray, Lord, that we will be strong in Christ and strong to bear a witness in our generation. Help us to understand the times in which we are living. And dear Lord, help us to take seriously the admonition to pray for those in authority over us, to remember our political leaders, to remember those that have responsibilities that are great. And Lord, we pray that they will be kept on the right course. They will be disabused of their evil intentions. And whatever course they think to take the country down, Lord, You would redirect them to right and true things. Lord, grant to every faithful believer born again of the Spirit of God, grant us to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We pray that we will be lights in a dark world, and that we will be salt to savor and preserve and that, Lord, we will be able to shine brightly, giving our testimony and witnessing to neighbors and friends, workmates, family members, everyone, Lord, that You would bring across our path. Open the door 
and enable us, Father, to share our faith and to lead sinners to Christ. Dear God, this is our burden in our heart, and we want to see the kingdom of Christ extended. We want, O Lord, to see souls saved and believers being built up and strengthened in their most holy faith. So, Lord, hear our prayers tonight. Remember remember our sick ones. Remember those that are in hospital tonight. We pray for some that have very difficult circumstances to deal with every day. We hold up all those we pray for health-wise. Lord, bless them, each one. Uh, remember, we pray those that have very special needs. We think of uh, Brother Bodner tonight, and we ask for your hand to be upon him to strengthen and bless him. We pray for Brother Siman as he's ministering this evening in Port Hope, that you would bless him, and also Brother Cranston, keep your hand on our dear brother in Christ. And Lord, all the meetings that we have uh, looking forward to, the Easter services, the upcoming meetings in May and in August, Father, we want to bathe all of these services in prayer. We ask that you would go in front of us in every detail, and you would make the crooked ways straight, the rough places plain, and there would be great rejoicing from every believer, building up of the work. Lord, you would bring in young families, bring in families into our congregation. We're thankful for those visiting tonight, both in person and online. So, Father, hear our prayers. We ask for blessing upon our, our school, upon Whitfield, and we're thankful for the conclusion of this second term and now, Lord, that the staff take a time of break, and the students, you would watch over each one, keep them all safe. May there be refreshment and encouragement, and, Father, a drawing aside to the Savior, a drawing nearer, Lord, to Yourself. And we pray there be a building up and a strengthening for every single need that there is. Lord, we are thankful and happy we pray for our missionaries. We ask for those who are faithfully serving in pulpits or in far-off places because they want to honor the Savior. We'll bless them abundantly, bring souls into the kingdom, and help us to rejoice one with another. Father, we commit this service tonight again into Your care and open the Scriptures to every heart. And may we be strengthened and built up in our most holy faith. Hear our prayers now. Continue with us. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, number 121. If you're using our book, 121, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. We'll stand, please, to sing.
And that was good praise singing tonight. The Lord encourage our hearts as we worship Him. I want to turn, please, now for our congregational reading to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. If you need a Bible, there are red ones in the pew in front of you. You can follow in the Gospel, the New Testament of Mark. We are reading at chapter 14 and verse 26. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 26. And when they had sung an hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore, amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch? One hour, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go 
Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and he kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto, him, unto them, Are ye come out against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But the Scriptures must be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. May God bless his word as we have read tonight. And we will be looking at a similar portion in the Gospel of John a little bit later in our service. But for now, we want to say a warm, hearty word of welcome to all of you tonight in our evening service. We are very, very glad you're here and you're visiting with us for the first time or you've come back again. We're very happy that you're with us. And it's good to see Blanca in the service tonight. We're happy that you're here, and we pray the Lord would bless you. And if you're visiting with us online tonight, we want to know you're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. Please pray for Reverend Bodner. As I mentioned this morning, his situation has deteriorated health-wise, and yet he is a few steps nearer to glory. He has been diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer, and I uh, was able to see him on Thursday afternoon. So do please remember our brother. He is not depressed or cast down. He is now going to live out, as he says, the gospel that he has been preaching all his life, and now it has come home for him to deal with. And he thanks God he has given him time to get some details finished up and get some things put in order and so do please continue to remember. Remember his wife Dorothy as well, as she will be certainly in great need as well. Received an email from Paul and Marina Briggs. They are missionaries in the Ivory Coast in West Africa, and we get updates from them as they have been working diligently on the completion of the Bible in the Laron language in that tribe that they have been working in for over 35 years now. And the, nose, the, the note was, with great thanksgiving, that the New Testament has now been completed, and they have it online for the Loran people. They are looking forward to printing the entire New Testament sometime soon, but they have been going through decades now of proofing and rereading and completing the work 
And so it is a great, it's a monumental task, and they are very thankful to have this now at this stage of completion. So remember, please, Paul and Marina, in your prayers, and remember the folks on the Luron people as we remember them in prayer. And of course, our other missionaries in Liberia, Reverend Dave DeCanio, Miss Joanne Greer, that the Lord would keep His hand on them and bless them abundantly as well. Remember our services, please, on Wednesday night, our Bible study and prayer time, each Wednesday at 7.30. And our brother Alec Newell, one of our elders, will be taking the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And then there is a gym fellowship in our school on Friday evening between 6 to 9. And then also, please, remember the next Lord's Day services. Our brother Frank DiDerno will be taking the services here next Lord's Day morning and evening. And uh, we're thankful our brother is safely back from Fredericton. He was there for four weeks ministering the Word, and we pray that God would continue to uphold him. Don't forget to pray also for our Cloverdale congregation in British Columbia as they are looking with excitement of the new man that has been called and has accepted that call for the ministry to go there. In, uh, that will take place sometime in the month of June, God willing, that he will be able to get there and take up services. So those are exciting things. We have some advance announcements too regarding our presbytery in May. We learned that two of our brethren from Northern Ireland, Reverend John Greer and Reverend John Armstrong, are going to be the two representatives that come. Now, if you don't know what all that means, it means that two men every May come from the Northern Ireland church and they come here and then two of our men go in January to the week of prayer over to be with them. And so we keep closer connection regarding that. We're looking forward to those services. And then, of course, August, our Young Adult Bible Conference. Let's not please forget the Easter services, the Truth in My Days ministry, and March the 25th will be held here in our church, and that will be an all-day conference on Saturday. And then on the Easter conferences here in our church for the Brethren Assemblies from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, April the 6th to the 8th, and then the services in Port Hope on the 7th and 8th as well. Now, if you can't remember all of those, well, you need to get on our email list, and then you'll be able to see those announcements and get all those details in order. And if you'd like to attend those services, you'd be very welcome to do that. Reverend Wagner will be the preacher visiting in the Port Hope congregation for that special weekend. If the Lord puts it upon your heart for tithes and offerings for our ministry, the plate is at the table as you go out before you leave the service tonight. There's no obligation, especially for our visitors, but if you would like to give to the Lord's work, you are welcome to do that. We're going to sing number 555 again, and we will stand as we worship the Lord with this hymn.
Amen. You may be seated. That is a loving and moving hymn that often is sung at our communion time, but it is certainly appropriate at every time we can meet as we're thinking again about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to turn, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 18. John's Gospel, chapter 18. We read this morning the same portion from verses 1 to 12, and as we are dealing with the second part of the message that I brought this morning, we will read these verses again. When Jesus had spoken these words, He went forth with His disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden, into the which He entered and His disciples. And Judith also, which betrayed Him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with His disciples. Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am He. If therefore ye seek Me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which He spake, Of them which thou gavest Me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, it seems that no matter how many times we read these familiar portions, you have something else to impress on our minds 
something, Lord, to teach us. And how deep is the well of Scripture, and how shallow is our understanding very often. And this is why, Lord, we pray tonight again for the help of the Holy Spirit to give us understanding, to strengthen us. Lord, we pray again that You would meet the need of every single heart. Feed our hungry souls with the finest of the wheat, the food of the Scripture. And Lord, having received that instruction and this feeding from the Spirit, then we shall be able to go home tonight rejoicing. Lord, deal with our hearts. We know the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And so, Lord, help us tonight. Give strength, I pray, as I speak the Word, so that no one would misunderstand or take any words out of context, but there would be clarity, application by the Word, through the Word, by the Spirit. And teach us all, Lord, tonight, I pray, in Jesus' worthy and holy name. Amen. We are thinking today in our services about this scene that took place in the Garden of Gethsemane where our Lord Jesus Christ was arrested. He was bound and taken, but He was not bound and taken against His own will. He willingly submitted Himself, allowing evil and wicked hands to take hold of Him and bind His hands and lead Him away. The intense drama of the arrest of our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, which as we thought this morning, means an olive press. The olive trees that grow in the garden that produce that olive fruit, those were crushed. And the olive oil that came out, well, it was used for purposes of industry, purposes of anointing, purposes of cooking, for sure. But as the olive press is a picture for us of what our Lord went through in the garden as He was pressed out of measure, well, it is a story that is given to us. There is much more background color that could have been given. If it was intended 
to be an entertaining story. If it was something that was put out there to be a historic record only. But so often we find in the Scripture that situations are not dramatized at all, but they are recorded as part of a larger narrative pointing to truth that when it is received, it changes the direction of a person for time and for eternity. This is God's Word. He does not waste any words. And what He includes in the context of His teaching, that is what He wants us to know. Sometimes when we think there are things in the Bible that are repetitive, wondering why they are included, let us be always careful to say it seems a waste of time to read those things because the Lord has put them in His Word for a reason, for a purpose. And so as we think of the events of Gethsemane, as our Lord Jesus, He steps a little closer to the cross. Each stage is full of instruction for us, mounting evidence that Jesus of Nazareth is not just a prophet. He is not just an ordinary man. He is not even just a king. But He is the man, Christ Jesus. He is the prophet of the new covenant. And He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want us tonight, as we continue in our subject of the willing arrest of our Lord in the garden, showing that He was not overpowered by a Roman guard, but that He willingly surrendered and submitted Himself as part the fulfillment of His Father's plan for our redemption. Ah, friends, tonight let us think and rejoice and praise our God for what He has done for us. This was the end of our Lord's teaching ministry. His whole life had been a teaching ministry. And right up at the very end, the concentration of that teaching to His disciples was vast and complex. But now is the beginning of His sacrificial work. Now as our great High Priest, the Lord Jesus, He ascends the staircase of divine destiny where He will suffer the just one, the innocent one, the holy and the pure one, for the unjust one, the sinful one, and the impure. You and me tonight. In our thoughts this morning, in part one, we thought of the treachery of Judas. In some respects, it's distasteful even to dwell on that character. But because He is here in the account, we must think about 
his activity and what he was directed and led to do. This man had joined hands with the devil, and he had sold his soul for a mess of pottage, just like Esau. And he sold out our Lord for thirty pieces of silver, and those pieces of silver haunt him to this day. He was Satan's choice, and no longer a follower of Jesus, but he was a leader in his betrayal. Now separate from the Lord, he was among his own. And where was he standing? He was standing with those that came to arrest the Lord, Christ-haters. And all those who do or wish to do the Savior or His work harm, Judas touched the very door of heaven. He stood on the threshold of glory, and yet his soul plummeted into the depth of hell. Let this be a warning to everyone. We dare not pretend. We dare not make pretensions about loyalty to God, but to make our calling and election very sure. Our second thought this morning, and we will be continuing in this tonight, but it was the willing determination of Christ to be taken. The Lord is no ordinary man. He is the Lord of glory. He is God manifest in the flesh. And His knowledge of all things is perfect and it is complete. In verse 4, we are told that Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon Him, it's the most telling thing and statement about our Lord's awareness of who He was and of every step that He was taking in His life. He knew Himself perfectly. He knew His heart perfectly. And, by the way, in contrast, we do not know ourselves perfectly, and we do not know our hearts perfectly. And how do I know that? Because the prophet tells us the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know the extent of the wickedness? And so we are limited in that capacity, but our Lord Jesus knew all about Himself. He knew every detail about everyone else as well and what everyone was thinking It is a very important thing that our Lord knew the details and events that would occur in His path every single day. He was aware perfectly of the steps He was going to take leading to the cross. He could have played them out in His mind, every one of them, and repeated them because He knew what was coming. His majesty and His glory was revealed to those standing by in that dark night in Gethsemane when they wanted to know where He was, and He identified Himself, I am. 
And that statement our Lord made was very clearly declaring He is Jehovah God, and He manifested His glory for a split second, and they all fell to the ground. And the Lord, in His divine purpose and power, made that revelation known, and He only released it according to His will. Because the very next answer to the same question, He said, I am. But He did not allow His glory to be seen. The majesty of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, there was but a glimpse that was shown to them. And we thought again this morning of the great anticipation that we have of God's people when our Lord Jesus comes back to earth the second time and He comes in power and great glory according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and we will see Him and we will behold Him with all joy and thanksgiving and praise and we will embrace our Lord Jesus not then by faith but in person and in reality. But the glory that He will manifest when He comes back to this sin-cursed and crooked and broken world, it will not be a welcome entrance for all that are opposed and that hate Him and that have rejected Him. They will cry for the mountains and the rocks to fall upon them and hide them from the face of Him that is upon the throne, the everlasting and eternal throne of glory. They will pray that they will be hidden from the face of the Lamb of God. Revelation chapter 6. Who will be able to stand in that day? Well, just as those along with Judas fell back, so will every unbeliever fall down to the ground and they will have to declare against their will they will declare in all of their bitterness and hatred against God, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God before they depart into a lost eternity forever and forever. Friends, these are solemn truths. These are things that we cannot speak of lightly and we don't speak of them carelessly. And when we talk to someone and if God opens that door and we share our faith to communicate of their destiny outside of Christ, we must be careful to do it with all the love that God enables us to speak with. We would never share something like that in bitterness or in any kind of a sense of, I told you so. No, it is with a broken heart it is as the Apostle Paul went from house to house weeping, praying that the people would turn to Christ and get right with God. That was the heart of the evangelist. And that must be our heart today as God places the burden of sharing the wonder of Jesus and the fact that He is coming back to this world again. And we must get ready. There must be preparation made to receive Him. Tonight, as we move into the second section of the message and continuing in this second point, we're confronted with this, that our Lord Jesus subdued His glory. 
in order to be arrested. The time was not for the Lord's full glory to be seen in the world. He walked as a normal man would walk in this earth. And as he mingled with the people throughout his life, they looked upon him, they heard him, they were amazed at his authoritative words, no doubt. They wondered when they saw the great miracles that he did. They knew there was something different about him. He was a a holy man. There was no impurity, no sin in him. There was no occasion for them to say, ah, he slipped there, as people would say about us. But they could never say that about the Lord. And yet he masked his glory. Oh, when Peter, James, and John saw him from a distance as he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he was glorified, they saw him, but surely the the glory of the Lord was even veiled from their human eyes to some degree. But our Lord Jesus Christ, He restrained that glory now and submitted Himself to be taken by wicked hands, and He allowed those holy and harmless and sinless hands to be taken and wrapped and bound with cords by evil hands. I want you to place yourself in the position of the disciples for a moment as they are observing all that is going on. They first of all now are getting the picture about Judas. I would say to you this is the first time that they have now come to realize that Judas is a traitor. Because up to the very point when Judas left them at the upper room and he went out, they thought he was going to buy some food for the Passover. They did not even realize then that Judas was the traitor. Now, they're beginning to see the picture. Judas is standing with that crowd. He has fallen back to the ground with those. But the disciples were still standing. They did not fall to the ground. But they're observing all that's going on. They see Judas. They now get the picture that he has done the most dastardly work he could have done. But so many things are coursing through their minds at this point. They're witnessing in front of them their Lord being taken by these soldiers and officers. What about their hopes? What about their dreams? What about the messianic kingdom that they had put all their hope in? They invested their lives in this Messiah. They put their reputations on the line. They put their future on the line. They had left their livelihood to follow the Lord Jesus. But now, it seems that everything is unraveling before them. They're witnessing their Lord who had healed the lame and raised the dead and walked on the water and welcomed and was welcomed into Jerusalem on the triumphal entry with everyone cheering and shouting, Hosanna to the King of Kings. But where is all that now? He's being taken a prisoner? This was not the way they envisioned the whole plan working out. 
So many confusing thoughts going in their minds. What were they to do now? Were they to resist? Were they to surrender and go along with the Lord? Were they to run away and gather a militia and come back to try to rescue Him? Or were they just to run away? And all of these thoughts boiling through their confused minds. It would only come clear to them at some later point why the Lord surrendered Himself and why He allowed Himself to be taken prisoner. They would know then that it was part of a sovereign plan part of a divine purpose that God had from eternity that His only begotten Son would be taken in such a vile way, would be handled. Oh, it was only the beginning of the roughness that they would handle Him. Part of His humiliation, and all of which endured for them Did they see? No, not then they didn't. But later they would. And Peter would say in the book of Acts to those very Jews responsible for the crucifixion of Christ, he would say to them, the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God brought this to pass. But you by your wicked hands have taken and crucified the Lord of glory. And so we're confronted here with the eternal plan of a sovereign God to allow His only begotten Son to go through those deep waters. But it was also the responsibility and accountability of those that were guilty of such a heinous act. The willingness of the Savior to be arrested as a common thief It's another gracious evidence, you know, of how much, just how much He loved us. Just how much the Son of God was prepared to go through. Just what it meant to see the extension of the great miracle of the Lord coming and becoming a human being and continuing to be now for all eternity God and man united together indissolubly, never to be erased or dissolved. And the Lord, He has come as part of His eternal destiny in saving me from hell. What wonder! What love! How can we comprehend such things? Believer, I wonder today Have you thanked the Lord for what He has done for you? Have you praised Him for saving your soul? Have you given praise to Him for washing your sins away? And ah, my friend, I wonder if you are not a Christian tonight, it's time to seek the Lord while He may be found and to call upon Him while He is near because 
if you reject, if you go out into eternity without Christ, it will be forever and forever too late. We note here also the tender compassion of Christ for His disciples, even when He is facing the abuses that would come upon Him that very night and those next days. As the soldiers were binding the hands of Jesus in verse 8 of John 18, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am He. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. We sang in that hymn this morning, and in a couple of those lines, it spoke of the Lord's compassion on His sheep, even at that moment. Of course, when we know and think of our Lord now, it's no really wonder to us. But can you imagine at that moment when He is being taken, knowing what those next steps mean, He is always a thought concerned, not about Himself, but about his followers, his people. What compassion the Lord expresses here. Let these go their way. Our Lord knew that they must be about taking his gospel message to the world. He knew that they had a mission to do, and theirs was not to die now. But the preaching of the gospel to every creature, that was going to be part of their commission. And as Jesus prayed in John 17 and verse 19, He said, And for their sakes I sanctify Myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. And Jesus was caring and preparing for their sanctification. The Savior's love, it never, it never waned from His own. He loved them unto the end. And... The same love Jesus showed toward them, friends, He has toward us. It is no more and no less, for we are loved by our God all equally in Christ. He promises never to leave us nor to forsake us. And the Lord was with His disciples even in their darkest hour of confusion and uncertainty. He knew that they would be safe for this meantime. God loves us, and He has called us friends, and we are called according to His purpose and His will. Believer, this gives us very much peace in a troubled world and life. And sometimes you might think that the Lord has forgotten to be gracious to you, you may have wondered, Lord, do you know where I am right now? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the extent of my sickness? I wonder if Brother Bodner thinks that tonight. I'm sure our sister Serene has wondered that. Our brother Ron wondering 
Has God left me alone? Oh, friend, never allow that thought to take any root in our hearts. For our Lord never will leave us alone. He is always with us. He has made that promise. And our God knows. And just when we can't figure out why He is allowing this to happen to us, it is just then that we will trust and not be afraid. For we know that our God does all things well. This is our Lord. This is our Redeemer. This is our Savior. And this is our friend. A final thought I leave with you tonight is this. The misapplied loyalty of Peter. The reaction of Peter, it may at first glance seem noble. He drew out his sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. I would say to you it is unlikely that that was his intention just to cut the man's ear off. He probably just didn't aim very well. But I will tell you it was a sovereign redirection of that sword because had Peter killed that servant, it would have been the end of Peter that night as well. But the Lord said, no, Peter, put your sword up. And our Lord, in His great mercy, extended a hand and healed that man's ear. I I don't know whatever became of Malchus, but I would not be surprised to see Malchus in heaven as he would every once in a while reach up to feel his ear, yet still there. Yeah, he wasn't there, but it's back there now. How did it get back there? The Lord touched me. And the touch of Christ on that man, what grace it shows to us of what was happening in that situation. But the Lord overruled that Peter did not kill that man. His impetuous nature had kicked in at that moment. We often focus on the denials that Peter made, but we don't think too much about his bravery just now to stand up for Christ facing such a crowd. Would you have done it? Would I have done it? I don't think so. How would one man hope to succeed against this great multitude of all these armed men. But you could say at least he tried. Was this a foolish exhibition of some kind of bravado? Was this the determination to die as a martyr along with his Lord? That's what he had just finished saying he would do. Lord, I will die with you. Was this a little expression of that? We again must be careful not to make judgments against him as we observe the situation from a far-off place and time. What would we have done in his shoes? It's always hard, you know, to predict our reaction in a time of crisis, and therefore we must not be overly critical of what this man did. One thing is certain, that Christ did not authorize here the use of force. There was a foreordained plan that was in place 
and nothing was going to alter that plan by man's misguided redress to carnal weapons. How many times, friend, and I don't mean to be critical of Peter, but thinking about the circumstance, how many times has the Lord's work been hindered because of what seems to be a good motive but a wrong application of His Word? And we have to guard against that in what we might perceive as zeal. Maybe it is zeal, but is a zeal according to knowledge or not? No, it's not according to the will and knowledge of God. And I am thankful, and I think you can be too, the number of times when God has overruled our misguided efforts to defend or to forward His cause. And the Lord did so for Peter that night as well. We're told that the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. In other words, the Lord doesn't need me to get angry to do His work. And when we think we have righteous indignation, this was not an example of that. And very rarely is it in our case. This was a violent response to a fearful circumstance. And it teaches us so often, you know, that our ways are not the Lord's ways, and our thoughts are not His thoughts. What we think is the right course, it may not be for the glory and for the honor of our Lord. And in fact, it might do the exact opposite. It might cause harm. We want to be very careful about that. Let us therefore be quickly willing to submit our own wills and motives to the wisdom of God. That, that wisdom that is not sensual or devilish in any degree at all. It's not the spirit that is of the flesh that takes hold here, but we want to be guided by the Lord's Spirit, that which is virtuous and to the glory of God. So let us earnestly study and seek in the Scriptures to apply how God wants us to live and behave in every circumstance. And if we come to the point where we frankly don't know, then more so we need to be on our knees and before the Lord in prayer to be sure we are basing our activity and actions on the revealed Word of God. And that may mean in our own lives, when we find something that doesn't seem to fit into the furniture of our own hearts and lives, into the room, and when the Lord says, I've got a new piece of furniture to bring into your uh, room, and we say, well, it doesn't really fit, He says, make it fit. And so you've got to do some arranging here. And maybe you've got to throw out some stuff that we thought was important of our own stuff and bring the Lord's furniture in. And so, friends, we want to be biblically centered in our activities and our thoughts, in our lives. And so we draw important lessons from what we say was Peter's misguided activity. So as we bring things to a close tonight 
in conclusion, there are four things we just want to leave with you. And the first one is this. Beware of a Judas mentality or mode of operation in any of our dealings. Let our dealings always be honest and transparent. Let let our dealings be always genuine and true one with another. Let us never ever think to do God's work or dealings with anyone else that is underhanded or sneaky or treacherous. No, friend, let that never be a part of any of the operation of those who fear and love the Lord. The second thought is this, that as Christ willingly submitted Himself to the will of His Father, let us not kick against or resist His plan even when it appears that all is lost and it's not going right and we're headed down the wrong road. If we are basing our walk upon God's Word and trusting in His promise, then we can have a willing, submissive spirit as our Lord Jesus showed. And the third one, to be prepared to challenge ourselves in the way we respond to the enemies of Christ. Some of us have temperaments that when we're in those circumstances, we just want to strike back. Some of us may have to have more restraint than others We want to be very careful when we're in those times when we think defending the Lord's honor is going to mean stepping up and taking some... We have to be careful. Very careful. The Lord tells us that those who are elder material are to be no striker. Now that simply means not violent, not people given over to that type of behavior. We want to always be mindful that our responses are going to be to the honor of Christ and by His Spirit. And then the fourth one is to pray the mind of Christ will be in us and will be abounding in us. That's actually a good promise that we are given from the Scripture. We're told we have the mind of Christ. So while the Scripture says we have the mind of Christ, Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you. So there's a combination of two. We have God's Spirit in us. We have been changed if we're born again of His Spirit. We know what God says in His Word is true. But in the sanctifying of our lives, we are gaining more and more of Christ's Spirit in how we are to live, how we are to operate, how we are to think. And those are very, very important things. So May God write these things on our hearts and write His Word upon our minds and help us to read over these familiar passages again and say, Lord, what else have You got to teach me? What lessons can I learn here? How can I love my Savior more for all He has done for us? We're going to close our our meeting by singing a hymn. Jesus has paid it all, number 390. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, 
child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. For Jesus has paid it all, it's all to him that I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he has washed it white as snow. We'll stand pleased to sing. Let's close, please, with prayer. Father, we ask tonight that once more the word that we have read, the word we have thought about, that our minds would be strengthened by the Spirit of God and these truths would be so reinforced in us that they would bear fruit, that we would see the change taking place in our lives whereby we are becoming more and more like our Lord. We pray that the mind of Christ will be in us and being completed day by day. Lord, we ask that in the times of our weakness, when we may think we're responding in the right way, but it's not according to your mind, correct us quickly, we pray. Keep a short leash on us, Father, 
and don't allow us to go off to dishonor your name in any way. And Father, tonight we pray that for any who may be here or watching online who are without Christ, that they would bow their hearts, bow their knees, and in simple faith cry out, Lord, save my soul. May they be brought to confess their sin, to know that Christ is the only answer to the need of the human heart. Part us now, we pray, Lord, in thy fear and with your rich blessing, because we trust and know that we are kept from falling. And Lord, you will present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.